my TEDx talk that I did, you were often keeping yourself out of doors that are waiting to welcome you. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Let's Unpack That. Now you know we gotta unpack that, right? My name is Sojourner, and I am the social worker and travel educator behind Sojourneys and the host of Let's Unpack That, a travel education series. This month, we've been talking a lot about international exchange programs, and so we're going to bring in Gabby Beckford of Pax Light, who talks about how to secure them. She poses opportunities that she finds and shares them with you so that you can seek rest, these opportunities, and see the world. So let's hear what she has to say. It is super inspirational. Uh, and I get this uh, a 
analogy in my TEDx talk that I did, which is called delusional confidence. I, I say it because it's kind of a fake it till you make it mentality. Even if you don't think you're going to win, even if you think there's no way to achieve what you'll need, the delusional part is that you're like, I'm just going to do it anyway, just in case, just for fun. And in my TEDx talk, I say, you are often keeping yourself out of doors that are waiting to welcome you. But imagine someone's on the other end of that door just like, I just need someone to come in. And if you just have the confidence to be like, you know what, let's let's see both scenarios. I apply and I win. Uh, okay, win. You know, I apply and I lose. I've learned a lot about that application. So that next time, next year, apply anyway. Girl, you got four years. And if you lose, you've learned about the process. You've honed your writing skills. You've made a network of people. It's literally a win-win. So I'm always like, just do it anyway. And you're going to see the, the blessings that come out of trying things in life. But are there like, travel opportunities or when they're applying to travel opportunities yes so when it comes to paid travel ops which i like to call the bto like it's like you're taking a bto and you're like what are you gonna see and like make a bto too girl that is so cute that is so cute <laughs> make your pto y'all yeah, my first piece of advice is always google no one likes to hear that people are like boo too bad it's google so, and people hate to hear that because it's like Oh, that means that I should be finding them, but I'm not, and it can be frustrating. I say there's a three-search method. The first word is where you want to go. Put that, put the country in, put the city in, put the state in, whatever, be specific. What your field is. Third thing is, like, whatever uh, thing sets you apart, like, your personal thing that sets you apart. It might be woman, it might be LGBT, it might be, like, those, like, keywords, those buzzwords that you think that that opportunity might use to try to find people like you, put that in there. And it doesn't mean that if you get a grant, that anything about you, you don't have to be like poverty stricken to get a grant. You have to leave your South Carolina applications. You just have to go uh, apply for grants that are meant for you and like intentionally for you. Second tip is that I mean, I usually have to remind them that abundance mentality. I promise there's not only four scholarships in the world. I promise. I promise there's there's an infinite amount. Stop assuming. Assuming is the worst. Just apply. And if you just keep looking too, if you look deep and you can't find any.
Well, thank you, Gabby. It was lovely having you and being very inspirational for us all to just kind of go out there and see the world for free. Period. Someone else is dying. There's some, some rich white guy out there who owns a corporation that pays these girls to like go in and sweat it. Don't look at it. And that is it for this episode of Let's Unpack That. Feel free to leave any comments, reflections, or questions down in the comments below. I will see you next week at our next video. Stay curious. Bye. So, of Let's Unpack That. Ooh, girl, we need to unpack that. My name is Sojourner, my pronouns are she, her, and I am the social worker and travel content creator behind the platform Sojourneys and the host for this travel education series. And during Let's Unpack That, we process and unpack our baggage of social identities, travel privileges, and other hot topics and social issues in travel for us to become more responsible, informed, educated, conscientious travelers. And today we are talking about a very popular type of travel, at least pre-pandemic, and that is solo female travel. To do some grounding, of course, solo female travel is defined as women who travel by themselves, quite literally. However, we are putting a little racial, little unpack that lens on top of it and talking about solo female travel for black women in particular. I want to talk about it with the racial lens because if you Google solo female travel right now, you will see that the majority of people who pop up in Google searches are white women traveling with our varying social identities. It's not always bad. Different does not always equal bad. It just means that there are some nuances that we need to be aware of. For example, as a black woman who has traveled solo, I've been worried of fetishes. A lot of them are sexual stereotypes about black women. The second thing is the hypersexualization, which kind of goes into the fetishes. People wanting to say, I've always wanted to bleep a black girl. And then you hear other stories of black women who get mistaken for prostitutes in various parts of the world as well. And even though fetishes and hypersexualization are some of the things that we face as black women it's also good to know that this is not universal for every black woman we are not a monolith when it comes to being black women and so your experience may vary and also know we cannot control what people see in the media and how they take the information so travel do you live your life and don't let these things stop you so why is it important to travel solo i have three reasons for you number one if you're on the fence about it just go for it it boosts your confidence so so much i had a stutter in english that i learned showed up in spanish and it made me really really self-conscious trying to learn a new language so i tested myself i booked a trip to Mexico for a week and I was able to navigate it in my second language the entire time so it definitely boosts your confidence also boosts your self-esteem and knowing that you can do this the second reason I recommend solo female travel is because you meet so many more people when you are traveling by yourself it is way easier to make friends traveling solo than it is when you're in a group of people I've met way more people and built stronger connections traveling solo than I had when I was traveling with friends which is also fine nothing against group travel I love that too uh, but sometimes you kind of want to go out and adventure on your own and solo travel makes that super possible and my third reason for why you travel solo is because your friends are not coming leave them girl book that trip you want to go on because they don't have their money together there are so many times when I have tried to book trips with friends and it just fell through, not because it was anybody's fault, but life happened. Times you just gotta go by yourself because your friends are not coming. Sorry. Here are some general solo female travel tips, but also a few for black women especially. Number one, lie, girl, lie, 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 lie. I say lie because everyone you meet does not need to know that you're traveling solo. 
even though people are genuinely nice and I've had a lot of great experiences traveling solo as a black woman in Mexico and throughout Europe, there are some people who, you know, may not give off the right vibe. So just be careful and be friendly, but not too friendly and tell people all of your business. The second thing you can do is research. It is 2021. As I mentioned in the Black Travel Movement video, there are a lot of Black travel bloggers, influencers, journalists, bloggers. Like, we are out here offering information about traveling as Black people, as Black women. So do your research. I'll mention a few at the end of this video of people to check out. You can join Black Travel Facebook groups if you want to know about a destination there are tons of location specific black travel groups that are great for you to ask questions about what it's like being black in those destinations if you want to do that as part of your research too tip number three is to never pull all of your money out at once like don't just have your money flying around and stuff take what you need and leave what you don't safely put in your bag in your locked locker at your hostel or in your hotel room or airbnb for later another to pack what you need if you are doing a protective style like this install it before you go there are chances that you will not have everything you need in the destination that you're going to so it's important to be prepared because we know we do not play about our hair some travel essentials that you may need traveling solo include a portable charger because if you're taking photos by yourself or using gps like google maps to get you around you are going to need a backup battery registering with your government is another helpful tip when you are traveling solo just to get those alerts for example the coronavirus pandemic it's a great resource to stay informed on any emergencies you want to get photos by yourself or you know just get those insta worthy uh photos you can definitely do that by one bringing a tripod and setting that up or two you can find somebody who normally has like a dslr on their chest or they're carrying that around that can kind of signal that you know what to do when i was in london though meeting up with another uh travel blogger candace from candace abroad we had a situation where we thought a guy who had a camera around his neck knew what he was doing and then we got the photos back and they looked like this i'll put a insert somewhere in here so while that dslr trick works most of the time it doesn't work all of the time but it did work for me when i was traveling solo in mexico and this is what that photo looked like so it just depends also if you want to get photos but without worrying if it's going to turn out right you can always do an airbnb experience i did one of these when i was traveling solo in amsterdam and i still use those photos today so if you see them on my instagram mind your business but they were a great memory to have i also got a tour of amsterdam with the photo shoot so it's like getting a two for one and i highly recommend it if you are wanting to travel solo and you are a black woman and you want some more inspiration i have a few people you can check out the first one is abana from traveling tuesdays she travels solo her instagram is so gorgeous and full of incredible photos and tons of information on traveling solo especially if you are a gen z traveler so check her out then my other favorite is sierra johnson of hey sierra i love her content i've been following her for a few years now sierra shows you the ins and outs of traveling solo especially traveling solo as a black woman so that is it for this video. I hope you all enjoyed and learned something new. If you want to share your own experiences traveling, so feel free to put them in the comments below. Any other reflections or topics that you want to see covered on Let's Unpack That, also feel free to put those in the comments below. And I will see you all at my next video next Tuesday. Bye, y'all. Stay curious.
My name is Sojourner, my pronouns are she, her, and I am the international social worker and travel content creator behind the platform Sojourneys and the host for this series. And this is a special episode because y'all are getting me vlog style in my editing attire because the video I'm editing is the one you're about to watch on traveling while single and dating abroad. It's a topic that you all on my Instagram requested and so I thought it would be a lot more fun to get some friends together via Zoom, of course. So I asked my friends Nasir and Rafaela to come on and talk about their experiences traveling while single and dating abroad. It was a hilarious conversation. There are some tips in here that you can learn from their stories, and let's get into it. Thank you for being here. Howdy. Hello. <laughs> so you can start off by introducing yourselves. Hi everyone, my name is Rafaela. You guys can call me Raph. I go by she, hers. I'm one of the writers of Shut Up and Go. <laughs> um, and whenever I'm not doing that, I am also a community organizer up here in Vermont and also a self-taught illustrator on the side too. So, your girl's everywhere. But thanks for having me, Sojo. Hello, I'm Nasir. Uh, he, him pronouns. My nine to five job is social media management for a language learning company. And outside of that, I'm trying to inspire black and brown people and queer people to see the world into it this month's theme is cultural differences so people always ask about traveling while single and dating abroad so are there any like experiences that you really liked while you were traveling or ones that you may you wouldn't want to do again that you want to share for sure so honestly i love when you travel and you can just learn more about the dating culture in general i feel like when you're in the states a really cute date would be like hey like let's just meet up sometimes, do Netflix and chill. I'm living in Mexico now, and of course, because of COVID, it's different, but in general, there's a really huge coffee culture, so I'm going to grab a coffee, going to grab a tea, and just learning about that person and maybe taking a stroll around the city. I'm more on the cynical side, low-key. When it comes to the U.S., I'm like, y'all just fall short. I felt like I got along well with people abroad, um, particularly because they were much more accepting. I think there's also less of a social pressure to be in a relationship. There's less expectation in general to kind of like find that perfect partner. I feel like a lot of my friends would hear me as like we're dating to marry, of course, which is kind of like the idea that is like the goal in the long run. But I feel like sometimes we forget that we're still young. Yeah, I think also people are over there much more used to meeting people abroad in general, being someone and knowing and really being okay with them like leaving continuously like or at least being around foreign people who are always moving maneuvering and migrating. The States is not really like that. So I, I like the I like the dating culture in Europe just because of that. And so where are some places that you all have decided to dabble in the dating scene as you traveled? I will say I don't know if I'm proud of this or if I'm like, all right, chill out, but honestly, everywhere. <laughs> Most places you visit, not saying that you have to always go on a date, but oftentimes in order to find out more about the culture and the people, one of the easiest ways to do that is through dating. Because not all the time can you like make a new friend, because sometimes making friends, depending on the culture, can be like weird, or you have to, you know, for example, if you're like living in France, like a French person won't consider you to be their friend until knowing you have maybe at least one to two years so oftentimes it's easier just to be like okay let me just go on a date with a french guy so i can get the inside scoop and i can go on a date you know i'll be i'll be everywhere um i don't have a specific goal whenever i go on dates so i just like to take it as it comes if we agree on a date we go on a date we have fun we enjoy each other's company i'm, I'm not really picky when it comes to that i just i just love the experience of just going out on dates like Nasir said yeah i'll be penny in portugal sophia in italy your girl jade in japan i'll be everywhere so yeah that's how i remember it so did you all have or notice any of those kind of cultural differences like will be more willing or more adventurous or more thoughtful dates or less thoughtful dates chivalry really is not dead i've always like questioned myself like is it me like what what is it about me that's like having them like spoiled there's always it's like all right you have to put in but then what about just being generous just to just for the sake of generosity you know and not even just expecting anything that was like one of the most reassuring reassuring things i find that dating people abroad is much more easier and i like the challenge as well like of the cultural differences like my ex and i he was so generous with everything we met at a, a french club and then two weeks later i'm living with him because corona hit on the plane to get 
take you to go home. He was like, yeah, you can come stay with me so you don't have to pay extra rent. And if you have to leave, then, you know, it'll be too much for you. So just stay. And there was no expectation on that. And it ended up being an amazing romantic escapade. But yeah, people are just expecting that love just comes so easily. No, it does not. It is work, work, work. Especially if you guys don't even speak the same language and all that. So the person who I'm like... I don't take it seriously. Like, if I'm traveling, I'm just trying to enjoy the experience. I'm not trying to be tied down to anybody or anything. <laughs> if you've ever gone to Europe or studied abroad, then you have that one story of a makeout session, which now during a pandemic probably was not the best health-wise, making out with strangers. We are all Black people, and we know Black History Month is next month, and Black travel movement is very, very present in the industry. So I want to talk about any differences in that way because I know a lot of the times people worry about dating whether outside of their race or the whole idea of fetishes have you had any of those kinds of experiences absolutely unfortunately it's difficult depending on where you travel and depending on like how the population is like obviously if you're in Mexico you're gonna have a larger percentage of indigenous folks and of course you're still gonna be white people but it's not gonna be like in Argentina where I went there and I was literally the one of six black people in the city and you can really feel that when it comes to the sexual tension at first it feels fun it's exciting but then when you realize that a lot of times like the disrespect fetishizing and like the racial stereotypes play into it you're just like mm, this is not for me i was working at a hospital in argentina i just remember going on a date with this one guy and you know we matched on tinder i'm not saying that tinder is always the most respectful platform but i was like oh okay so he's actually interested in me we went out and it was just very bizarre because our whole date was more so um a questioning of my blackness but oh are black people really like this x y and z and then just bringing up all these other really odd uncomfortable conversations but for him it's mine he was like oh i'm just curious about like this black american foreigner but obviously coming from the states you're like oh baby boy like you know you're still a white man and you're asking these questions and these are very uncomfortable questions so it's a it's a hit or miss for sure a lot of the times when we're abroad it's really hard to draw that line mainly because we're like oh we're in a different country different people different customs but then when you realize that specifically in places like most of europe or like in a predominantly white nation like argentina you're just like oh, white supremacy is still alive and well so no passes my last question is do you have any tips for people who may be scared to date abroad i think in general oftentimes as human beings, we love to stay within our comfort zone. But I think if someone takes the first step to go travel, that obviously shows that they're stepping out of their comfort zone. And I think that dating is no different. Like, if you already got on that plane and you're already in this new place, dating is really not that far out. It's really simple to want to meet someone on Tinder or if you want to meet someone at a bar, of course, safely, not a sketchy person. Then I think oftentimes when you just allow yourself to have these experiences and not overthink them, sometimes you have the best experiences. And, you know, obviously be safe. So interesting that you asked these, this question of just, like, tips. Because I don't got no tips. I just be out here just frolicking. <laughs> I literally met this dude, and two weeks later, I'm in Japan. I'm about to meet him. You know, like, I don't have that much tips. But what I will say is, like, trust your gut. Just remember that you're deserving of love in general. That's it. Then everything else will just gravitate towards you. But, also, having that open mindset of just being like, I'm not setting any expectation. I'm just here to be here, and whoever comes my way, comes my way. If your gut is just being like, nah, don't go. Please don't, don't, don't go. Like, obviously, if you wouldn't do it back home, maybe don't do it when abroad. But sometimes, you know, maybe just take that little extra inch. You never know. <laughs> be that Cynthia girl in Russia. Me that alter ego. I love those answers. Thank you all for taking the time to come chat. And can you let people know where to find you all? You can find me on Instagram at Raph Chang with a V. You can follow my art Instagram at Raph.draws with three S's. You can also find me on my blog at trekratchet.com. I write really crazy stories about my times abroad. You can find me on Instagram at Mr. Fleming and actually 2021 i decided like okay i'm spending 200 dollars a year on the damn website i do not use my website so we are about to revamp that but www.mysterefleming.com you know i will say with the whole website thing that sojo has definitely inspired me because she's been killing the game recently not only mm -hmm. for her website video 
it's really important to have someone in the community like this to inspire and to educate. So thank you so much for having us. Thank you. I appreciate it. That is it for this video. I hope you all got something out of our stories. If you want more information on this topic of Let's Unpack That or any other of the series, I have them all on my website, sojourneys.com and blog post form. Let me know if you have any questions, comments, reflections of your own adventure dating abroad below. And I will see you all next Tuesday. Stay curious. Bye. Sojourner. My pronouns are she, her, and I am the social worker and travel content creator behind the platform Sojourneys and the host for this travel education series. For those who are new here, let's unpack that is travel education series where you and I process and unpack our baggage of social identities, travel privileges, and other hot topics and social issues in travel to become more informed, responsible, conscientious travelers. I have a very special guest, my friend Brie from Brie Ari Poetry and Boyan Travel. She is a traveling poet who does a lot of heritage slash ancestry tourism, which means she takes trips that provides a way for her to reconnect with her roots. It was a lovely conversation. She is a poet and you can tell by the way she speaks and describes her experiences traveling throughout Ghana. So I hope you all enjoy and let's get into the video. Hi Brianna, thank you for joining me. Do you want to introduce yourself? So I'm Bri, Brianna. I'm a traveler, a poet, and I have a travel company and so I plan group trips. And so this week's theme is heritage tourism and I know that you have done some trips back to Ghana through your travel company so do you want to tell us a little bit about what that means to you to reconnect with your roots? Ghana did the year of return where they basically invited anyone from the African diaspora to come back to Ghana and experience it as home. I went for that it was very welcoming and beautiful and so many just like wonderful experiences. I know a lot of people are always hesitant about maybe going by themselves when it comes to travel or just in general when it comes to reconnecting with the history that one we weren't really taught about. So what do you say to people who are still kind of hesitant but know they want to reconnect somehow? Somewhere? Before you even travel, like if you're just interested, you can start at home. Food is a really big thing for me and I know you too Sojo. So besides like my African ancestry, um, I have some Southeast Asian ancestry which I knew about my whole life and but no one in my family is from the Philippines but no one in my family has actually ever touched that land. So I took it upon myself for most of my life to like learn how to cook some different recipes and that kind of always made me feel connected and then when I finally took a trip there it was like I already kind of felt like I knew my way around the culture a little bit and then once you do take the leap I definitely recommend going in a group first it, it is intimidating to go somewhere so far somewhere that you don't know much about for the first time by yourself did recently go solo and I do think Ghana is a really welcoming place that you can go by yourself. What are some things that you would recommend for people to go without giving too much away? Because I know you have a whole itinerary with Boyan <laughs> Travel, so I don't want you to yeah. spill all of your secrets. Yeah. But what are some places that you felt the most connected to as like a Black American who was going to travel back to Ghana? Definitely start with Cape Coast. I think every Black American should go back here. That's where you can see the slave castle. So there's Almina Castle and then there's Cape Coast. I went to Cape Coast last year and had the privilege of going to Almina this year. And it's just a heart-wrenching but also beautiful connecting experience every time. So I think we should definitely go there, pay homage, and just walk the path that they walk. And so this time when I went to Ghana, I also went to another place called Shy Hills. It's just outside of Ghana, like about 45 minutes to an hour. 
with traffic definitely an hour i really recommend going to shot hills or some other surrounding place in ghana i glamped while i was there it was a nice way to feel connected to the land in a different way if you're a nature person or even if you're not i really recommend that and then accra is popping so do everything while you're there how do you connect with like in Ghana. are really known for being really friendly. Sometimes they're the people that you're working in collaboration with me for the group trips ends up being a good um, resource for other people because they'll introduce you to other folks. Honestly, being a woman and being fine helps <laughs> because when you go out, like men will talk to you and then they have women that are friends that are locals there. So I usually meet the men first then like this time I went on a group trip and I got to meet some other women that were from there too it's gonna sound real millennial but Instagram I follow a lot of different local businesses and restaurants event pages in Accra so I kind of keep myself up to date with what's going on even though I'm not there and then when I go back I'm like okay I want to go to this place and that place and this place actually the photographer his name's David he hit me up it, like, it had to be the ancestors, had to be the universe, because I still needed a photographer in 2019. He found me on Instagram, messaged me and said, hey, I see that you guys are coming to Ghana. Do you need a photographer? And boom, he took our lovely photos. And like I said, now we're friends. It was easy to make friends. And these are people who really do welcome you back. Another question I wanted to touch on was the language of like black american or african american i know at least with our generation we tend to fluctuate between the two and people have their reasonings for why they use one or over the other i know for me when i would say i was african american when i was traveling people would ask me you know what part of africa are you from and that's a very complicated jarring question to be asked knowing our history so i know when i travel i would normally say black american so is there a reason why you may use one or the other or what do those like words or labels mean to you this is a great question and it's something that I honestly didn't start thinking about until a few years ago you know when I can remember being younger and like elementary school age and you know at home you know amongst our family or whatever we called ourselves black but then I can remember a specific switch maybe second or third grade where it just seemed like african-american was being uh, used so I, I would refer to myself as african-american you know but it was always to other people, white people, people who weren't black, but amongst ourselves, it was always black. So it's not until I got older, very recently, that I noticed that I do use black more often, but I don't prefer one over the other. But if some, if I was abroad somewhere and someone asked me where I, like where I'm from, I'd say I'm a black American. I have no issue calling myself African American or being called that. But I can remember back in the day being young and, and like one of the first times somebody calling me that, like a like a white person or a teacher or something like that, being like questioning it, like, oh, am I African? I know I'm American, but am I African? I get why people might identify with one or the other but I would say in my last two or three years of my life just by being on the internet and indulging myself in different West African cultures and finally going I, I kind of identify with the African a little bit more than I did back in the day I'm not afraid to, to call myself African-American or say that I'm an African woman because there are a lot of things about me that are African and I don't think there's anyone that can tell us otherwise you go back to a lot of African countries, specifically in West Africa, and they doing stuff, saying stuff, just move in a certain way. Just the spirit, you can just feel it when you're there, and it's like, it feels really familiar. There's no denying that, but I do use black, and I think there's a lot of history with black we should be proud of, too, which is why I don't shy away from it. Black, everyone uses it, but it's a very American term. It was born here, and, you know, our parents and our grandparents, like, it's a lot of weight to it, so I'm proud of both. It's definitely that connection impacted you in the way that going back that a lot of us aren't and won't be able to have, unfortunately, because we know travel can be expensive. Travel is not the most accessible thing. That leads me to your poetry. Or how has that been impacted by reconnecting with your roots, heritage tourism and ancestry tourism, too? In a very special way. When I travel and I write poems, I don't ever, like, you know, plan it somewhere it hits me I write it down I just had a few moments 
on the beach at my hotel where like I just sat down and a whole poem hit me but both of them were about ancestry and freedom kept coming up a lot too poetry is something also of the spirit but when I was in Ghana like I won't say the poems came to me easily because there were a few days that I was like now I know I got some some poems like where are they but when they came they did come pretty effortlessly I try to write them down and take a picture of them while I'm there so I can remember that and then free in another sense that I was there for an entire two weeks and I literally did not have to think about the weight and heaviness of my skin like I do in the States. So where can people find you to connect with you, to travel with you? Give us the details. Yeah, so people can find me on Instagram at Briari Poetry. Also on TikTok, on Twitter, I'm Poet Briari. On YouTube, I'm Bree Me Travel. I have a travel company called Buoyant Travel. We're on Instagram, buoyant.travel. We host group trips to Ghana and hopefully otherwise African countries for years to come. And we also host like events and meetups around the world, again, when it's safe to do so. So I've done a meetup in New York, D.C., and London. Travel with me follow me on insta yeah i'm always open to meeting new people thank you for joining me thank you for sharing your stories and your tips thanks this was fun wasn't she amazing if there is a topic that you want me to cover or any other reflections and comments feel free to leave them in the comment section below and i will see you all at my next video next tuesday stay curious bye Sojourner, I am the social worker, digital creator, travel educator, all of those things behind Sojourneys and the host for this series. And today we are talking international affairs slash careers with the one and only at Hamish Traveler, aka Chelsea. And she's going to break down all of the jobs that she has had that has led her to this international world, international career, international travel, and all of those good things. So let's get into it. Hello, so can you introduce yourself, your name, age, and what you're passionate about? Hello everyone, my name is Chelsea, also known as Hamish Traveler. I am 26 and I have a blog called HamishTraveler.com where I teach women of color and underrepresented groups about travel opportunities and careers in international affairs. And I'm super passionate about that. For those who don't know what international affairs is, like what it entails, can you break it down for us? So international affairs is essentially the relationships among countries and other communities around the world. So if you want to think about like how countries interact with each other, that's exactly what international affairs are. And there's different like sectors. We have like economic, we have like business, we have social things. And so that's what encompasses international affairs. And you've been working in international affairs for how long now? I started back in 2012. That was when I studied abroad in India, and I did an internship in a women's rights organization in the nonprofit after India. I worked in Spain as a teacher. I taught in a bilingual school, and then after Spain, I worked in China, and I worked at this startup company for international education uh, for a couple months, and then I came back to the United States, and I worked in the study abroad office, and that was one of my favorite jobs to date. Uh, I helped hundreds of students study abroad. I am currently in diplomacy. Wow, that's amazing. You've touched on, like, so many, like, all the facets of international work and, like, international affairs and education. How did your upbringing influence your career path into international affairs, which I'm sure overlaps with your love of travel, too? When I was growing up, I didn't travel. I'm from Baltimore, Maryland, and for summer vacations, we would go to my mom's home state of Pennsylvania, and that's about it. I didn't really travel. I might have gone to, like, New York or New Jersey maybe once or twice. And when I was younger, I always wanted to 
to go overseas. I always wanted to tour the world. I always wanted to go to Disney World. <laughs> when study abroad happened in college, that's when I first had a major opportunity to go overseas. My childhood dream of traveling the world was fulfilled in my 20s. But when I was when I was a kid, you know, I had a great upbringing, but that's just something that I didn't do. I guess not traveling encouraged me to travel as an adult. That's very inspiring. And so what does it mean for you to be a Black woman in international affairs? Being a Black woman in international affairs means saving the opportunity for the next the next people, the people that come behind me. And that's how I choose to look at what I'm doing now, especially with Famous Traveler. I want to inspire, you know, women of color, underrepresented groups to do these things because when I was a student, when I was young, I didn't know about this. I didn't know what diplomacy was. I didn't know what international affairs meant. But when I'm in these rooms, I'm like, you know, I try to do the best that I can, and I, but I don't forget where I came from, right? Now that I know this information, it's my duty to share with others. And so being a Black woman in international affairs, I consider it as an honor and as a privilege, but it's something that I don't take lightly. It's not about me, and this life is not about me, and I want to see more women of color, especially in the rooms that I'm sitting in, because I think we have a lot to bring to the table. What are some misconceptions about international affairs? Some misconceptions about international affairs is that it's just all a party all the time. It's hard work. There's this misconception that, you know, all we do is like go to parties and happy hours, but we put in a lot of long hours. It is a marathon and not a sprint. And so if you don't get accepted right away, it's not something that you should give up on. It's something that you should keep on going. There's a lot of different ways to get into the door. There's not one set trajectory. Don't let that get you discouraged. Keep on going. And I encourage people, like, if you want to get into international affairs, start small. Start in your community immigration center or something. Volunteer there. You can volunteer virtually. There's always an opportunity. There's always a way. And just stick with it. Another misconception might be that there is not room for people of color in international affairs. And while many of the rooms that I am don't have a lot of people of color, that doesn't mean that there isn't room for us. It just means there's an opportunity for us to be in those rooms. On the flip side, what are some perks of being involved in international affairs? And you get to travel. When you work in international affairs, you have that opportunity to be able to experience things more deeply and richly uh, if you have the chance to live overseas. This thing, it makes you well-rounded. You know, people I find in international affairs, they speak a lot of different languages. They know a lot of things about the world, and they can take those things that they know about the world and apply it to their communities. Those sound like really great perks. So what keeps you motivated to do the work you do, not only in international affairs, but also through Hamish hey, Traveler? What keeps me motivated is when I get messages from you all, <laughs> when y'all write to me and be like, hey, I never really considered this career. Hey, you really inspired me. You really helped me. That's what keeps me motivated. And so knowing that fulfills the mission that I'm going after, which is trying to educate, inspire, and encourage women of color, underrepresented groups in international affairs. What has working in international affairs taught you about our different social identities and other travel privileges that you may hold that others might not hold and vice versa? Being a black American comes with a lot of privilege, but at the same time, that everybody has a story to tell. And everybody that I come across, they are unique and they have something to contribute, but the way that the world is set up does not exactly allow that to happen. That's a beautiful answer. <laughs> I love that answer so much. Now we have the part, which is actually inspired by you, when I interviewed on your channel, on YouTube, you had a lightning round. So now it's your turn to have composure <laughs> under fire. So I'm going to ask you some questions and try to answer them in like five words or less. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. Destination with the best food? India. It is New Orleans. One thing travel has taught you about yourself? That I can 
Don't give up. One, travel privilege affects how you travel. Being American. One word to describe what travel means to you. Here's where that comes to mind is freedom. Your favorite travel experience in three words. Islands in Bali. <laughs> I like the sound of that. One destination you would love to visit. Colombia. One book or podcast or online resource that you're loving right now. Uh, Minha Historia or <laughs> oh, Becoming. Becoming in, in, in Portuguese. So Michelle Obama's book, but in Portuguese. What is your travel superpower? Packing lightly. And what do you want your impact to be on the world? More underrepresented groups and women of color in international affairs. Thank you, Chelsea, for being on Let's Unpack That. I really appreciate it. Can you let people know where they can find you across all platforms? Yeah, so you can find me on Hey Miss Traveler on YouTube. I upload once a week and on social media on, at Hey Miss Traveler. But I'm most active on YouTube. And I just want to put out a quick pitch. Uh, Monday, the last two Mondays of the month, if you have a question for me, I do an Instagram Live called uh, Mailbag Mondays. And this is your chance to ask about questions related to international affairs, travel, and diplomacy. Thank you for plugging yourself, because if you don't plug you, nobody else will. So <laughs> if you have any questions about international affairs, feel free to reach out to Chelsea. And thanks again for coming on Let's Unpack That. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Isn't she amazing? I hope you all enjoyed that conversation. If you have any questions or reflections of your own, feel free to leave them in the comments below, and I will see you all at my next video. Bye. Stay curious.